I can't find anything. So I think she just powered her way through digesting a pile of hair. That's that's rank. Um, so power to her. To be fair, yesterday I had uh, some Turkish food. I went to a, a Turkish takeaway. <laughs> and um, sorry, that's nothing to do with cats and hairballs and the power of digestive juices. Digesting hair. <laughs> I had some Turkish food yesterday. <laughs> sorry. The tenuous link didn't really work there. Uh, but I had a very tasty uh, shish kebab and then something which was like a giant pizza which had been rolled into a long uh, like a circle shape and they rolled it into a long cylinder it became also almost akin to an offensive weapon like it was just this giant chunk of of food and obviously I didn't finish it but it was just that like that just brief moment when you kind of opened it up and and the bag is wet because of the oil that's just seeping through the food and you realise that okay whilst dinner may be very tasty it's basically just carbs and oil yeah and it's nice for once in a while but then you think we'll probably have that again in six months time whilst my body recovers yeah it's gonna be a while yeah I I know that feeling I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it though I guess (laughs) Um, in your once in a six months uh, extravagance I did yeah no it was great and it's cheap as well but I suppose that's because I don't know where they get the meat for the meat from. Like that meat just turns and turns and turns. And uh, when they like replace it or yeah. uh, how long it's been up there, I have no idea. There must be a how it's made on kebab. <laughs> CBBC commissioned a series, yeah, on how it's made. Kebabs. Yeah, I reckon if we if I reckon if we googled that um, on any of the search, search engines, that we'd get a good result. It was back in the day when my nephew was young enough that he would watch how it's made on CBBS or something similar. And genuinely, I'd sit and watch it. It was great. There was things like, how do they make wind turbines? No, how it's made stuff is great. Those programs, no matter what channel has commissioned them, they always turn out really good. Like, how do you make felt tip pens? I haven't a clue. I don't know how you do that. I got I got no idea. I'm assuming there's something to do with felt at some point in the history of making them. <laughs> But like, if you were asked, if you asked me, if a child asked me, "Hey, Colin, how do you make pens?" I honestly wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. So no. these these programs keep on making them. See, BBs. Yeah. All all, all these all these uh, all all the pens and stuff. I, I don't know how they keep the ink in there. Sometimes, why doesn't the ink just flow out? It should. Yeah, it should. There was another one recently. I saw it was uh, Tottenham Hotspur, the football club, who are trialing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry, that was the very formal name. Spurs. You may know them as Spurs. Yes, yeah, Spurs. Trialing Spurs. A, a very cool way of delivering booze to your to your receptacle in which you, you right. place your like plastic cup on this thing and then it fills up with booze oh, from the, the bottom. bottom. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. How is it possible? Yeah. Um well Osmosis. It's just a it's just a valve. It's just a valve in the cup. Like you push something, you push down on something and it, it allows stuff in, but then you, when you pick it back up, the pressure from what's in the cup keeps the valve shut, I would suppose. Well, see, James, that's why you're big brains. Big brains. I don't have the big brains here. No, I've... Uh, speaking of valves, <laughs> I installed a valve on my bin. <laughs> Sorry, why? Well, you know how sometimes you fill the bin up so good that you try to take it out the bin, there's like a perfect seal? Y- yeah. And you have to, you have to like wrestle it out trying to let the air in you're, trying, you're fighting against yeah. the vacuum I figured you put a valve on the bottom of the bin there's the air flow you are clearly in, thinking much more deeply about these things than I ever have or will so credit to you for that <laughs> I don't actually know how you would even physically start to put a valve on a bin 
But uh, that is what people tune into this show for. It's Seesaw Parade, right. episode yeah, exactly. 227, where we talk about CBeebies shows that we like to watch and putting valves in litter receptacles. I'm Colin, yeah. and he's James. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it, and they're going to thank me. And uh, thank you very much for listening. I must also thank uh, Jason Lambert, oh, who yeah. messaged us on Twitter Some after the last episode. And please cover your ears if you have small children. He tweeted us to say... <laughs> Well, I won't be listening to this bullshit again. <laughs> which, which, I think we actually tell people to stop listening regularly. So the the reason why, and uh, and Ross, in a further reply, summed this up very well. He sent uh, Ross sent a picture of twenty Twitter icons, all of which are balding men wearing sunglasses. Many of them have beards. In in a car. Oh, yeah. in a car. And this is very much a demographic yeah. of Twitter that, as I replied to Ross, said, we've only really scratched the surface off. And that was with Jason scratching the surface. It has been scratched. He did not enjoy it. And uh, off he went. Yeah, we might have an influx nonetheless. So he, he blocked us. I've never felt, or I rarely feel as understood as I did when I triggered a grumpy sunglasses bald car profile picture person uh, the reason is he actually followed my own personal account because i tweeted something vaguely related to cryptocurrency and clearly he was yeah i knew it was a, i knew it was a crypto link oh yeah he was jumping in on that to, to get all the latest crypto chat from me even though i barely even give any and know very little and just pretend i do and uh, obviously then he he saw that i had retweeted the cease operate account talking about the election and as with most of that demographic yeah. being a fervent trump supporter clearly was very unhappy with what he heard we imagine which is a shame yeah. because i'd want to have people like that listening to the show with open ears but clearly he's just made up his mind the election has been stolen and thus trump is still the president and will be for the next 18 years. There are countless things that I say in particular that I'm assuming do make people angry if they have the opposite view. Because I, I struggle very much to, to, to speak lightly. That's fair. Uh, especially of, of um, people who are being pure evil. So it could be anything I've said that makes certain demographics want to not listen and it does, it makes me feel understood. But yes, it is a shame that we aren't a space that can bring people back into a, a world of conversation. Uh, just some, some cross-pollination of podcasts here uh, before we actually dive into what's going on in the world in the last seven days. Which, by the way, a lot has happened. We have a, an, yeah. an episode here with lots happening. It's great. True. But uh, yeah, before we go any further, there is a new podcast on the horizon from uh, one of our pals, Janet McNinch. It is called No Planes on Sundays which is an excellent name for, for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I did a I did an episode with her, our first episode, which is, I don't know when it's going out. She wanted to like stack up. She's one of these really organized people yeah, who, you yeah, know, yeah. plans all her stuff in advance. Yeah, you want to make a few ahead of time, um, make sure they're good. <laughs> Just, if only, if only we did something similar. Get a professional air, you know, get used <laughs> to not... Or uh, uh, umming and ring and uh, it's fine. I take most of those out in post. Interrupting each other. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that I did an episode uh, with Jenna earlier this week, in which I'm sure I will have said some things that will offend some people. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to be offended at another <laughs> podcast, basically, 
go listen to Janet's podcast when it comes out. It was a, a discussion on uh, sexuality and religion. Oof. So there we go. That's a tinderbox waiting. Tinderbox mixed with a can of worms uh, waiting to explode. It's a, yeah, it's an ignition. Uh, we talked for about 90 minutes. So there's a lot to be uh, challenged by. Yeah. And I think that's what I said. I said, and I'm sure you've said before in Cease Parade, like, we're here for discussion. It's not all facts. Some of it is just ill-informed opinion. And we are here <laughs> to be challenged on those views, as we have been in the past by you, dear listener. So thank you. Well, yeah. But not this one time. This one time we didn't get challenged. We just got, <laughs> just got not insulted. listened to. <laughs> Okay, well, let's see if we can bring on more <laughs> uh, of the haters. The podcast done. We spent we've spent a whole hour complaining about not being listened to. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's uh, let's start then, shall we? We're basically where we filled most of the last episode with, which is the U.S. election. But uh, you'll be pleased to know, dear listener, this is just a, a courteous uh, drive-by. Of a, of a yeah. discussion as opposed to the in-depth. Not a violent, right? Exactly. Right, yeah. It's more just like a BB gun. Okay, James, here we go. <laughs> I would consider a BB gun drive-by pretty violent. But, yeah, but you're not going to have like lasting injuries unless they get you in an eye. You're fine. Yeah, but who, who, wears, who wears eye protection 24-7? <laughs> Who's going to shoot you in the eye with a BB gun from a drive-by distance in a moving car? Someone with bad accuracy. No, it's not, not going to happen. They're likely going to hit you in the chest or the arms. It's fine. This is like a BB gun that's maybe hit you on the on the forearm and it's pinged off. And you've got a wee bruise. Which is relevant because <laughs> I believe Biden did suggest that the police to stop being so brutal should just shoot people in the legs when they're running really? away instead of just straight up shooting them. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> that's, the, that's the extreme leftist position that Biden is taking on this one. <laughs> Not defund the police, but get the police to kneecap criminals. Yes, he must. he's one of those terrible leftist socialists. Okay, right. Let's discuss this election. So the latest news this is Friday, by the way. Latest news is that uh, US election officials have come out to say that the 2020 presidential vote was the most secure in American history, rejecting hey. the claims of frauds that Donald Trump has spent the last week shouting about. Well, yeah, in a statement, because Biden won. Indeed he did. In a statement, the committee said, there is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised. They spoke out after Mr. Trump claimed, without any proof whatsoever, that 2.7 million votes for him had been (laughs) deleted. And of course, he is still (laughs) yet to concede. Right, James, just uh, we'll we'll answer this one first before we go into what Biden and Trump have been saying. Uh, This is, uh, to me, the first time I can recall the actual kind of electoral commission having to come out and say, or, or clarify that a vote was legitimate because the sitting president refuses to accept it. Yeah. Um, it's not surprising, though, that, that Trump's going down this route. We've been Everybody's been predicting it, I guess, since he first got elected, you know, the first time around, that he'd try to make the second uh, vote not legitimate. Uh, it, it, it is still huge, though. Um, one thing to remember is, if you are talking to anyone about it, it's not to say that there was definitely no fraud and there was definitely no cur- like n- nothing went wrong there's just no evidence yeah small scale stuff happens all the time somebody uh somebody may have voted twice 
one person might have voted twice because that's what people do in these elections. They think that, hey, they'll help by voting twice. And that's dumb. It is. Um, so when Trump says something like, hey, there was illegal votes, technically he's telling the truth. There wasn't millions and there definitely haven't been millions lost aside from maybe postal votes that didn't arrive on time Yep. Uh, because of Trump and Trump's actions. Um, but, you know, it, it's unsurprising. We're going to see a lot, a lot more of this for, well, I guess until he leaves, which is a wee while away. It's January 20th, I believe. Yeah, couldn't, um, couldn't come soon enough. Let's go to some of the comments. So China have now officially congratulated uh, Joe Biden. Boris Johnson yeah, this week yeah. also sent out his congratulations after photoshopping over a previous <laughs> message. Did you see this? I don't understand how you do that. Near do I, right? So for anyone who's in the dark here, <laughs> Boris Johnson's Twitter account put out a congratulatory tweet image, image uh, yeah. uh, to Joe Biden. So instead of you know <laughs> words that he'd actually typed, someone had typed it in an image and then posted the image. Yeah. And some clever people realized that if you took just a closer look at uh, the image itself, the words Trump... And uh, other, uh, you know, second term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were in the background of the image and hadn't been deleted properly. Delete or covered properly? I, I do not understand. It's so easy to delete things. This must have been somebody trying to show that Boris really wanted this to be the... There's no way this was an accident. You can't accidentally <laughs> push out an image with text that you didn't delete successfully it's just a delete button i don't get it either but that's a thing that happened however yes biden is now being referred to as president-elect and uh, trump was being referred to as the former president by boris johnson in the house of commons uh, biden yeah. has said that trump's refusal to concede is an embarrassment yeah and uh, obama in a 60-minute interview which is coming out this weekend is uh, t- talking about the republicans who he believes are are good people who are refusing to say anything because they're risking incurring the wrath of trump supporters yeah uh, james all that has uh, i'm sure there'll be much more to be said over the the next coming days um all these kind of comments if anything, to me, are just going to make Trump even more resolute in his uh, his denial yeah. of reality. I mean, we knew this before he was ever president because, um, and it's not because we saw even Republicans in the build up to their primary before Trump was president saying all of these things that Trump does not accept reality, that Trump is a narcissist, that Trump this and Trump that, and Trump lie and this and, and everything. They all knew it. Then they all supported him. And they're going to continue to support him until there's not a risk of repercussions on them removing their support. Yep. Um, apparently, it's still not that time. It's still the time for cowardice, um, which I guess it always will be with Republicans. They have known for years and years exactly what Trump is and what he'll do. And they've supported him and gotten to this point where we're looking at potential major attempts to undermine the democratic process that that go beyond what he's done already. He's he's trying to make plans yeah. to to sabotage the electoral college vote. He's trying to make plans to uh, gather people in power that that are loyalists to him. So genuinely, I don't understand. Once again, for I don't know how many days it's been since I first didn't understand how much of a spine the Republicans lack. I do not understand how they are still so spineless. It is mind-blowing. Well, it's because the party has become a one-man wrecking ball, 
If you, as mentioned in previous episodes, if you look at the uh, concessionary statements from previous Republican would-be presidential nominees, they're very fair and they talk about, you know, Obama ran a great campaign and uh, me and my team are here to support him to make this country greater than it ever has been before. And it is, you know, it's 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 the it sets the right tone. Yeah. But because Trump is this, I'm, I can't think of the word or the phrase, but he has now become the epitome of this this kind of new oh, Republican, yeah. and it is this attitude of, you know, we're always right, and our critics are out to get us, yeah. and they're just the worst people, as opposed yeah. to any sort of, well, actually, hold on a second, let's look at the facts, and because, as you say, Republicans lacking a spine, I think Mitt Romney, who, whilst being Republican, has been a fairly outspoken critic of Trump, occasionally has criticised. Yeah, Mitt Romney has. I think said that Biden is the president and there's maybe three or four others, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah. It's really weird though. And again, I'm presenting this as though it's surprising. Uh, it's really surprising that the Republicans are so against the presidential vote result, but they are really quickly accepting the Senate result and the House results. Oh, of course, yeah. All of those votes, which were more in Republicans' favor, they're legitimate and fraud-free. The fraud was only somehow for the one part of the ballot that was the president one. The rest of the parts of the ballots were were fine uh, because the Democrats, unsurprisingly, campaigned really poorly because they're a party of unimaginative idiots and the occasional person who actually is good at their job. And the, the Republicans have managed to come out with Senate seats enough to have a potential majority, depending on a little rerun. And more seats in the House than they had before. Okay. America's embarrassing. It is. Uh, just in the last uh, few hours, it's been confirmed that Biden... But just to be clear, American listeners, you're not embarrassing. It's the establishment that's the embarrassing thing. It's okay. the Democrats being unable to unseat four years of incompetence and corruption by being incompetent and corrupt themselves. That's embarrassing. So, yeah, in the last few hours, it's been projected, I should say, that Joe Biden is going to win Arizona, which is extending his lead over Donald Trump. He's currently 5 million votes ahead in the popular vote, and this would take him to 290 uh, electoral votes. Um, Trump now is talking about running in 2024. Uh, This is something which, again, I'm unsure how legitimate it is, but I've seen it from a couple of sources, uh, people who are saying that Trump has kind of accepted that it's a long shot for him. Well, sorry, it's impossible for him to get a second term here. And uh, he knows it's (laughs) over. And so therefore he's thinking, right, 2024 it is. Do you suspect, and I kind of know the answer to this, that he'll have the support to run in 2024? I mean, yeah, he would if he's still alive. Yeah, he would. Um, He also will if if he hasn't been imprisoned for for being a traitor in just in general um and if he manages to not get imprisoned for other nonsense that he am, he that he is i am sure going to do in between uh getting paid off and bribed and this and that for whatever intelligence he does have and there's 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 a there's a small chance that that trump in my opinion uh, deserves to be <laughs> free and able to run for another election but uh-huh. Trump 2024 is not news because he's been talking about running in 2024 since forever. He's been he's been he's been trying to imply that he could be president till he dies he for a long time now. And his kids would then run as well. Yeah, and then the idea is pass it on down the generations because um, America somehow really likes this idea of monarchy all of a sudden. 
Okay, one final story before we uh, take it back across the pond to here. Yeah. Uh, the Trump administration has carried out sweeping changes oh, yeah. uh, at the very top of the Defense Department at removing several senior officials and replacing them with loyalists to the president. Yeah. Uh, so he <laughs> fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper. I believe that was on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, he also then fired his chief of staff, the top official overseeing policy and intelligence. And uh, yeah, these were uh, replaced by controversial figures, conspiracy theorists, and one who had previously called President Barack Obama a terrorist. Yes. So, James, all fine here. Everything is okay. Yeah, definitely not just like trying to stack up some cards for a potential coup. You know, it's fine. Like, well, g- genuinely, genuinely, what is going on here? Why has this happened? Well, yes, there's he's trying to stack the cards so that when he says, "Actually, I am president," he's got enough people overseeing enough things to go yes and then he hopes that them going yes will just make all of their subordinates go yes too and then the whole but that's insane. the whole uh, deck is stacked there was a, there was a one a tweet that came out over the the few days or that that these firings were coming out and someone had tweeted that um Mark Esper was given uh, kind of a standing ovation he was clapped out the building mm-hmm. and the white house then asked who was clapping yeah so they could fire them as well yeah. Which is just insanity, but it does not surprise me in the slightest well, yeah. considering what we've seen over the last four years. Well, but we know how much time Trump has been spending chatting to dictators and controversial figures in power across the world. He's been he's been learning his lessons. Um, I don't think they're doing a, a very competent job of it, but as I've stated, there's a lot of incompetence in the US. Maybe there isn't enough of a backbone to withstand a coup from the inside. Um, but he doesn't have the support of the military, as far as I, as no. far as as far as anybody is concerned, he doesn't actually have any force behind this. He's just got a few figureheads that don't actually have support. But this is an attempt to do what he's learned from his peers. Do you suspect there will come a point where Trump pushes it too far, and Republicans actually do uh, <laughs> an about turn? And I know I kind of again. I think I know the answer to this question. Man, like there will, no, there will be, but it's going to be way later than is all right. We've already we already right. passed way later than is all right, but it's still going to somehow surprise me how long they hold on to to the facade. And um, I guess they're just trying to figure out how to deal with the fallout before they let go. But they can't. There is no way to deal with this fallout. Trump and what they have done by supporting him has changed the nation and they have to try and make it change back but they made they made the change so it's kind of hard to undo that work okay let's go to some other major news in the world in the last few days and here we go some good news the first effective coronavirus vaccine can prevent more than 90% of people from getting the yeah. disease. That's yeah. according to the developers of the vaccine, Pfizer and BioNTech, yeah. who described it as a great day for science and humanity. So the vaccine was tested on more than 43,000 people in six countries with no safety concerns raised. Uh, the companies are planning to apply for emergency approval to use the vaccine, get it rolling, yeah. by the end of November. So just in a historic context here, this is the fastest that a vaccine has ever gone 
from the drawing board to being proven to be highly effective in, in the space of, what, nine months, maybe yeah. 10 months since this uh, first became a, a viable solution. Yes. Uh, obviously, still massive challenges ahead, but this is good news, right? This is good news. Um, it's, it's surprising in the sense that, yeah, it's the fastest. It's also, we we're, we're kind of told that we could expect one by September, <laughs> which we, I guess we're pretty close. Um <laughs> But it makes sense in the same front because these are these are vaccines that were being prepared, or at least they are cousins of vaccines that were being um, prepared and were being trialed. Yeah. So they're they're just switching the target to a related virus to stuff they were already working on. So it makes sense that it's faster. Ninety percent, it's high enough to to really help with a pandemic situation. Mm-hmm. Not high enough that as soon as as soon as I'm vaccinated, I'm gonna be out and about partying. I mean that that is what you are known for. Yeah, I know. I not like it would be anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like it is also kind of big, massive new vaccines are always a bit scary because you don't know the long term effects of these things until time has passed. Right. So so that that's my next question. I've got a couple of questions related to this. The first one. Now it doesn't actually say. Certainly in the article I read, it does not say when the vaccine was tested. And of course, I would defer to the experts as to the safety of such a vaccine. However, as we have seen from previous uh, vaccinations, and I'm talking like 70s and 80s here. Well, yeah. A thalidomide comes to mind. There were such uh, drastic long-term effects that women who had taken that vaccine in particular, they were giving birth to children with birth defects, yeah. children who were disabled. Yeah. And that was only because they had failed to thoroughly test the vaccine enough to realize, oh, hold on a second, this is actually uh, horrendous. The, the, the long-term effects are horrendous. Yeah. And so for me, it's the balance of the world needs a vaccine, needs a solution here, because otherwise we are stuck in this cycle of lockdowns and restrictions. And of course, some countries are dealing with this better than, for example, the UK is. We just hit 50,000 deaths this week. Yep, we wouldn't be so desperate for the vaccine if we just all were smart. Correct. (laughs) If the countries were led by people willing to make sacrifices before they were necessary. Yeah, but the the vaccine is the the, the silver bullet here. So I understand the... um, I guess the the perseverance and the the willingness to get this over the line, but just part of me thinks, well, hold on a second now. Do we really know already? I mean, when did they start testing these people? Was it three months ago? Was it six months ago? Yeah, I don't know. Well, Sorry, the, second yeah. question. Second question related to that. Just before I, that was kind of my own thoughts. Um, before I put this any further forward, the likelihood, James, of you and I getting this vaccine at this point in time. Very, very low. Yeah. Because, of course, they're starting with the people who are most at risk. So that is uh, care homes, um, the actual workers of care homes, and what's the uh, term of workers? Key workers. Key workers. There we go. <laughs> completely forgot. But yeah, key workers, care homes, and uh, and older people will be in line first. Yeah, the vulnerable and the key workers, they're in line. Me, relatively youthful, <laughs> never goes outside doesn't actually interact with yep. people, I think I'll be pretty low down the ladder. <laughs> okay, one final point before I throw it back to you. Do you think that Pfizer and BioNTech knew that this worked and sat on the news for 10 days or so? Because imagine 
if they'd put that out on November 1st, November 2nd, it would have forever <laughs> been called the Trump vaccine. And that the may Trump well have swung the election. I know. I know, it would have. So, it actually would like, have genuinely, genuine question. I, I, I would not be surprised if they knew about this and they decided, hold on a second, this could massively influence the election. Let's hold on to it. Yeah, well, no, it wouldn't be surprising if they did. I don't think they did. Um, I actually do hope, though, that if 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 they could have, they would have. I hope that I hope that if they did have uh, the the vaccine, the good news about the vaccine a while ago, that they'd hold on to it, knowing that it would be spun into some victory for somebody who had nothing to do with the development yep. of the of the thing. Because because it's not even getting named after the the people that are making it, right? It's getting named after the distributor or the. I'm unsure. Um, the big, the the company that's funding it. Uh, all I know is that it has to be stored at uh, minus eighty degrees, apparently. Oof, oof! I wouldn't want to be there. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. But the vaccine has yeah. to be. But two, yeah. you get two shots three weeks apart, and it's uh, yeah. They, they found like nine out of ten people were protected by it. So yeah, that's that's good. That is good. Uh, yeah, if it, if it gets distributed, uh, it will we'll see numbers of infections go down pretty dramatically. Vaccines are an effective thing. 90% is pretty high up there in terms of how effective things have to be to to bring in herd immunity. Um, but it is something to keep an eye on for, I guess, generations, whether or not this oh, vaccine yeah. uh, has any long-term effects. Okay, let's go on to some more good news. Dom Cum is out of there. Boris Johnson's <laughs> His- senior advisor, Dominic Cummings is expected to leave his position by the end of the year. So Mr. Cummings had told, hold on, he told the BBC that rumours of of him threatening to resign were invented and uh, that his position hadn't changed since he wrote a blog at the start of the year. However, (laughs) Laura Koonsberg said there was no question the announcement of his departure had been accelerated by the turmoil number 10 in recent days. So... If you're hearing about this for the first time, this is after Lee Kane, who was the director of communications in Number Ten and an ally of Mr. Cummings, yeah, stood down. Yeah, the hard Brexiteer, somebody who wanted the hardest Brexit possible, like at least fifteen minutes in searing hot water. He uh, he let he left his position, I should say, uh, amid rumours of serious internal tensions uh, at Downing Street. The two of them, Lee Kane and Dominic Cummings, are longtime colleagues. Both of them worked on the Leave campaign and uh, Mr. Kane's departure was then prompting the speculation that Dom Cum was also on the way out. Yeah. Uh, James, what's your thoughts on all this? Well, these are two people who desperately want a no-deal Brexit for reasons. We can only speculate to the reasons. It's either because some people uh, of influence can take advantage of a Brexit and are paying them really well to get it. Whatever, whatever. It's all speculation. Yeah, They clearly want it. One thing that's changed in the last wee while is, is that Trump is no longer going to be president. Trump presidency, hard Brexit, eh, Trump might not care. Trump doesn't have, you know, a care for, for Ireland and all the rest. He doesn't have skin in the game. Yeah. But Biden and the Democrats have expressed support for Ireland and for the EU and for the agreements that need to be upheld. Uh, So I guess it's suddenly a bit harder for Cummings and his his hard Brexit pals to convince Boris and co that, yeah, our plan is still a go. And (laughs) maybe now Boris is 
getting a bit spineless and he's he's having to realize that actually yeah this is a huge big problem having no deal brexit would be a big problem and let's not just aim for that it would be yeah but of course cummings is leaving he did say he would he saw when brexit was going to happen it's going to happen in january the next year i will leave just before it happens so that when it all goes horribly wrong I'll be out of there and it won't look like it's my fault. Come on. This isn't news. <laughs> Coming's on. Well, I mean, it is still news. Sorry, that was terrible. That was awful. It is still news in that it will it will be seen as by people like uh, ourselves who are clearly very well informed. <laughs> super, super well informed. Something is nothing more than a, than a well-timed publicity stunt because yeah. you're right. He's out of there before the end of the year and when no deal happens on January 1st yeah and when all of his work <laughs> actually pays off to be specific he is no longer accountable because he's not in a job yes it's it, it reminds me a little bit of David Cameron and Brexit in yeah. that you know he, it was his fault that the vote happened I'm sure there were other people other people who uh, who had a, a stake in it too but ultimately he was the prime minister yeah and I look at him just the kind of guy who gets paid six figures to speak at, uh, yeah. at dinners and pops up with the occasional yeah. banal comment now and again. Yeah, it's the Tory game plan. Do big damage, get big money, leave big fast. <laughs> <laughs> if only that was our life motto, we'd be we'd be sorted. Man, I'd have left by now. <laughs> this, then this, uh, Boris is going to do the same thing. He's going to get his and then he's going to leave. He's already planning to leave. Do you think so? Yeah. Because to me, if Boris wants to avoid the damage, he has to be out by he has to be out by the end of the year, same as same as Donkey. Yeah, but he's complaining about about how much money he gets. He's complaining about about all sorts of things as though it's legitimate complaints because he's not he's not able to do his multi million a year worth of speeches and whatnot. He can't even wait four years or five years and then do a do a Theresa May. But I guess she didn't really wait either. But it's just it's just it's just their way. They 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 get their money, they get their friends their money, they go out and they know the media isn't gonna keep hounding them because they're suddenly not so important because they've stepped aside. And it works every single time. And I bet the plan is to keep blaming Labour. When Brexit goes wrong, it's gonna be because of those Labour remainers and all the damage they were doing to the to the talks we were having with the EU. It's their fault. People will buy that. And everybody's going to believe it. Okay, let's step into the world of entertainment. James, we actually have some some real news here. It's not, you know, I mean, it's not really lighter, but it yeah, is, is uh, right. news in the entertainment world, so it is therefore, by definition, yeah, yeah. Uh, less serious. But Johnny Depp has left... The Fantastic Beasts franchise just days after he lost his libel case against The Sun. Yeah. Uh, so if you were following this, it kind of went on for weeks and weeks in London. Uh, Depp had been taking The Sun to court because they called him a wife beater. Yes. Uh, he was suing them for defamation. He lost. The judge said that actually of the 14 alleged assaults that were presented... Uh, there was serious evidence of the majority of them. Of course, Depp's fans have been uh, fighting that and uh, being very vociferous about how they feel about Amber Heard. The whole thing's a bit of a mess, and I don't really know, I clearly don't know what's happened, and simply reading between the lines, it just seems like both of them are bad people. But the fallout of this is that Johnny Depp, who had done, I think, two of these movies so far, is out 
of this franchise from his role uh, as Grindelwald, who is the big baddie. Yeah, he's been asked to leave by uh, by the big bosses. So what do you what do you think of this then? Because this wasn't this wasn't a criminal case. No, it was it was libel. It was defamation. It was suing because he felt his character had been tainted. Yeah, his reputation. Sorry, which which it had. Like the Depp situation is very hard to make a like make a decision on. I don't feel like there's, at least not publicly known, a lot of evidence for a lot of the allegations. A, a lot of it was circumstantial. Yeah, one of the key elements to this is that he has a, or at least it is known that he he did defend himself from abuse. Yep. Which technically makes wife beater not a lie mm-hmm. in the views of the courts, and that's just how courts work. So long, like defamation has to be some massive thing and this is like well they technically weren't lying because you did defend yourself physically and that makes you a wife beater at the very least there's that but it's strange that he's been kind of in limbo for so long with his job and then dropped once this case is done but not the case that's actually against amber heard in the states it's the libel case in the uk that made the decision for the big bosses so this is just weird and strange, and I feel sorry for for Depp now, unless more news comes out that he he is terrible because it sounds like he was the abused one, primarily in this relationship. I mean, just just my my ten cents there. Reading from what I saw in the court, the the kind of evidence that was presented was video footage of him smashing up cupboards. Well, yeah, which was to to show that he was he was violent. Yeah. Whereas I don't recall from anything I read that there was any physical evidence of him beating Amber Heard. Yeah, but there was evidence of her having beaten him and slashed him. Also that he she cut off the top of his finger, yeah. I believe, as well. Like, there's some serious violence going towards him. And he, while being a violent person, at least directed it at inanimate objects, which is bad. And if you are somebody who lashes out at stuff when you're angry, you need help. Um, because lashing out at stuff is an indication that you want to lash out, but you're managing just to redirect it at something else. Okay, just just vaguely connected to this, and something we did not touch touch on last week, and mainly because I was unaware of it. Wait, wait, wait. Um, there wait, were wait, wait. more hold on. connected. More hold connected. on, no, 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 no. Okay. Hold on, okay. hold on. There was effusive praise for Sean Connery after uh, after he died a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon, I think, called him, you know, Scotland's favourite son. Right, right. But I saw a number of pieces which were then reflecting on the fact that over the years, Sean Connery has made a lot of comments about advocating violence against women. Oh. He was asked about, you know, should a woman, should there ever be a time to hit a woman? He says, well, yes. If you've told them and and the woman refuses to listen, then I believe an open hand slap is required. And words to that effect, like he's on camera saying these things. Right, and so my question was, and of course, he also has his ex-wife, who you know wrote a book about the fact that Sean was allegedly violent towards her. But certainly, the comments he made and refused to um, backtrack from, even when he was given the opportunity, uh, would suggest that he certainly had a history of of right. inflicting this sort of behaviour. So my question is, James, when someone like that, who clearly has had a uh, I don't want to say troubled past, but made some bad decisions and done things that are objectively wrong. 
are they are we allowed to you know venerate them and say oh this person was was a great guy no i i would retract i would retract some some veneration if i found that kind of stuff right which i kind of am doing i'm fine i hadn't heard any of that yep because i don't i don't wikipedia literally everybody in their entire existence um i maybe should uh, but yeah, if all that's true, I would I would retract the veneration. I wouldn't. I would say if 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 all that is is true, then I'm surprised that Nicola is given the praise she is. I wouldn't say it was earned. Um, you can you can as we've said for for I think we had this discussion about statues and stuff. You can respect somebody for the stuff they did while also not giving them a veneration of character because of other stuff that they did. Mm-hmm. You can ha- you can find that balance. So in this case, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Connery himself doesn't deserve this this high praise if he has got all these things in the record and never wanted to take it back. I was gonna say, I too, one one last thing about the the Depp and Heard situation uh-huh. is I don't understand how he's managed to lose his gig first because she's still in the Aquaman stuff, as far as I'm aware, and all the rest of her projects. I think so. Yeah. How come? How come losing a libel case was enough to get? Depp fired, but all this stuff that is publicly available about the things she's done aren't enough to get her out of her job. Like I, I'm, I'm actually confused about that. I think, and uh, here's again, here's something which I would be very interested to see what people who are listening think. There has been, all for the right reasons, a switch to the idea that all victims should be believed, and you know, genuinely, I think that is a good thing. But you've got to at least hear both sides i'm saying that very carefully because i'm kind of thinking out loud here well yeah no that's a phrase that people often say when what they mean is hear men's sides right but but genuinely if it is something like this where there is there's real evidence there's videos there's recorded there's audio recordings of what had happened here yeah and as i mentioned earlier i do believe both of them clearly have issues yes and whilst it is a good thing that this notion of, you know, all victims should be believed, that is much more in the forefront of people's minds now than it was even three years ago. Yeah. I still think you need to examine what is being put forward and what supporting evidence there is off this. Yeah. Now, this is very difficult when it comes to things like rape cases because it is, it's usually one person's word against another. Yeah. There's usually very little, if any, evidence other than yeah, other than that's we that's what that person said, and that's what that person said. But something like this, when there is actual evidence of violence by both parties, then I find it very difficult to say, actually, no, no, we're choosing this person's side, well, yeah. or this person is the one who loses the jobs, but this other person's fine. Yeah, I don't, I honestly, I don't get it, but Th- that's it's, why I'm it's something for more intellectual people to give me the right answer for. Yeah, like maybe there's something known out there that I just don't know. I'm just confused as to how there's so much mutual they abused me going on and only one person seems to be taking the hits in terms of their actual career. Surely if it's if 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 the cases have reached a point where somebody can be losing their jobs, it should at this point be both of them because they both are clearly um not of the same public opinion as they used to be i i am confused is all okay let's move on time is escaping us netflix have announced that they're going to be breaking with convention by starting their own programmed linear content channel of the kind that's familiar to people who've ever watched film four 
So this trial yeah, channel... Yeah, I guess just TV. Yeah, it's TV. Uh, they could be streamed uh, directly from the Netflix website in selected parts of France with plans to broaden the coverage throughout the country by December. Now, the reason they've done it in France is because apparently the French like just kicking back, turn on the TV and seeing what's on. Just see what happens, And so yeah. they felt like that was a good place to start. And so they'll be scheduling content just like a regular TV channel and whatever's on is on. So you don't have to spend ages uh, picking. That's that's the thought process behind it. Uh, James, what do you think about this? It's pretty, I think it's a pretty good idea. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I, I, I get lost trying to pick a program for uh, a good a good few minutes. And then I watch something and I'm just like, I didn't care. I just picked that because I knew I wouldn't care. It would be nice to have a channel where I could just be like, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to watch the I don't care channel. Um <laughs> So I agree. I can I can feel that some days. And if there's an entire region uh, or, or, or an entire nation of people who prefer watching stuff that way, it makes a lot of business sense to give them uh, what they what they actually right. want from your service. I, I do think it's interesting. Certainly from their perspective, uh, they put out a statement to say, uh, to say uh, maybe you're not in the mood to decide or you're new and finding your way around or you just want to be surprised by something new and different. And, yeah. you know, that is that is right. You know, the amount of films that I saw on Channel 4 or Film 4, oh, yeah. you know, late nights, Friday, Saturdays, that I never heard of or seen before, yeah. watched it and thought, you know what, that was great. So yeah. I do think there is a space for this. Yeah, I, uh, same. I uh, Even, well, back when I paid my TV license and watched the normal TV, uh, I would occasionally come across something that I would say, oh, I'd actually watch that if it wasn't for the adverts <laughs> and then leave. <laughs> Um, or sometimes something was so surprisingly good that I stay, even though there was going to be adverts that are just a waste of time. It's, um, uh, sorry, just to add another point here. Um, this just comes days after Netflix announced their third quarter results in which the number of subscribers slowed massively compared to expectations because they say they're reaching peak saturation yeah, yeah, yeah. in many of their key markets. I mean, Netflix have been going for the best part of a decade. Yeah, it's about and, time saturated. Yeah, like basically everybody, certainly that I know, will know someone who has a Netflix account or will use their Netflix account. So yeah. the question is, yeah, how much more can you, how much further can you go? So perhaps this linear channel is just another way of, of bringing in that cash. They've got to keep trying to find new markets so they can keep getting those investors in because that's how businesses work. <laughs> they don't actually have to turn a profit. They just need to keep growing and then therefore getting investment. Okay, before I hear what you've been watching this week, James, we have a trailer. And my goodness. Why are we watching this trailer, God? Dear listener, I would like you to pause this podcast and go and watch this trailer. It is called Wild Mountain Time. As in with a Y. The Scottish folk song from however many hundreds of years ago, which was then repurposed by a Belfast musician in the nineteen fifties and is now apparently Irish. <laughs> yes. So this yes. is Wild Mountain Time. It's got Emily Blunt, Christopher Walken, <laughs> and that dude from Fifty Shades of Grey, Jamie Dornan. Yeah, who yeah. And is John Hamm. And John Hamm, who is playing an American, but just play John Hamm. <laughs> the important thing here, yeah, John Hamm just being himself. The first three are Using Irish accents. Well, yeah. Irish in quotation marks. Let's have a listen. Welcome to Ireland. Once upon a time, there were two farms the Muldoon farm where Rosemary lived, and right down the road was my farm, where my son Anthony asked his lonely question of the stars. Why did you make me so? 
Rosemary Muldoon. Yeah! Besotted with love. There's these green fields, and there's us. Whatever that is, it holds me here. James, this, without doubt, is the worst trailer I've seen this year. And mainly because those accents are horrendous. Whose idea was it (laughs) to cast Christopher Walken as an Irish farmer? I don't don't understand this production. (laughs) One, I don't know how we found the trailer. You found a trailer. I don't know how. I regret watching it. I saw it being uh, talked about on Twitter. I see, I see. Man, there could, I'm sure there were many far better things to talk trailers about this week, but my probably. goodness, we're watching the worst trailer for probably the worst film ever. I don't understand what the point of this film is. So it's an adaptation. This film has been made a thousand times. Yeah, it's an adaptation of a, a play that was, I think, on Broadway a few years ago. Okay. Um, I actually had some some thoughts from Murray Wilson, my former colleague at STV, who right, said, right, right. my top, my top uh, favourite things about this trailer, first of all, Christopher Walken's casting and the fact that he occasionally slips back into his own accent, which, yep. I mean, uh, to be expected, he is, like, genuinely, it makes the film more watchable. I'm <laughs> okay, no, I'm I'll, no I'll doubt. Get, he'll be, he'll be the best part of this film. I'll get to that in just a second. Um, Murray adds... He, of course, failing the seesaw parade test, the fact that the trailer gives away the entire plot. Indeed. Which, indeed. yep, fair enough. Yes. Uh, third of all, the title and the song around which it's basing is, of course, Scottish. Yes. <laughs> as mentioned. And uh, as a bonus, he says the backlash that Jamie Dornan must be bracing himself for for the rest of his life for doing this film. Because the one, one caveat here, Jamie Dornan's Northern Irish. He's doing a Southern Irish accent here, but uh, some Irish publications which were commenting on this trailer said it sounded like a Northern Irishman pretending to be American, pretending to be Southern Irish. And that's essentially the effect (laughs) that's coming across here. So, James, let me ask, is this going to be a case of a film is so bad, it's good? Uh, No, no. This this won't be bad (laughs) enough to be good. It will still just be bad. Uh, Walken might make specific scenes so bad they're good. Um, I I expect this film will do very well on Netflix. Yep. Not even lying. It's going to be on the top. It's going to be in, you know that? They, they nev- they've now got their very popular right now in your area section of Netflix. It's going to be there for weeks. <laughs> it's going to be in the very popular for weeks and weeks. People are going to love this because it's so bad yep. but they don't know it's bad they're just going to love it because it's it's a very standard Netflix safe safe film to watch that has got some goofy jokes do you know what this reminded me of it's a show we've actually yet to talk about on Seesaw Parade Emily in Paris which has been one of these shows which has constantly been in like the top 10 in, the, in your area today yeah and everything I've seen of it it's um, essentially the most stereotypical yeah TV show you could have ever written. So, you know, baguettes and onion necklaces and berries and striped shirts. And this week, when Netflix confirmed a season two, oh my goodness, he came out to say, Oh, by the way, you've all been pronouncing it wrong. Emily should be rhyming with Paris. So it should be what? Emily in Paris. Oh, got you. I thought you meant the other way around. Oh, Emily's in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it just got me thinking, like, if we were in a show like that, where would you where would you be visiting if it was Emily in Paris? Where is James? <laughs> I don't know what country rhymes with, with James. James in the Thames. James and nah, Thames. Spames. Spames is as close as it gets. <laughs> James and Spames. 
Oh, I'm going to have to think about that one. So I'll have a think and we'll see if we can get back to that at the end of the show, right? I'm going to have to think oh, as well. No, all right. Uh, the, the, I don't want to just... Like, this is going to be a very successful film. I think probably just because it's got attractive people in it. No, but genuine question. Yeah. Why would you cast Christopher Walken? Like, Emily Blunt, I can understand to an extent. John Hamm, because he's just being himself, also fine. Jamie Dornan, yeah, I can forgive that. But Christopher Walken... Why? He's popular right but now. But there's there's actual Southern Irish actors out there who could play this role. Yeah, yeah, this is the problem. And they could have done it better with for less money. It, it, maybe this was like a money laundering scheme. I don't know. <laughs> these, okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm, I'm a bit set back. Having, having, thinking about the trailer is, is putting me into a fuzzy place where nothing makes sense. Okay, well, before I ask you um, what you've been watching then, let me tell you, I actually haven't watched anything. My goodness. Of, uh, or any, well, I've not finished any TV shows. Watchmen, I've started Watchmen. Oh, you started Watchmen? I did, yeah, but I've, nice. I'm not. I'm nowhere near finishing that, so I'm going to save that. Uh, I did watch, however, a very good tag team wrestling match uh, on on Monday <laughs> between. No, seriously, seriously, uh, I had seen the amount of people commenting to say it was the best tag team wrestling match they had oh, ever course, seen. Yeah. And so I went to I didn't watch see it. See that third tag coming? My goodness, it was <laughs> I went, unexpected. I went to watch it. It was between uh, the Young Bucks and FTR. Who are FTR? Um, one of my favorite teams. Of those are you. I know you won't, but I must agree. It was probably the best tag team match I'd ever seen. So if you like wrestling, Man. go watch FTR Young Bucks. Yeah. It was great. Did somebody? Did somebody whap out a chair? There was a chair whapped out, but it was not used. Good. good. It, oh, was, it was. It was. It was. It was more of a peacock chair situation. It, like, it was whoa. more. It was basically just like, oh, he's got a chair. What's he gonna do with it? He's definitely not gonna hit him because he's been teasing it for far too long. And of course, <laughs> he did not. And uh, no, it was. It was very good. It was very good. So if you do like uh, Yon Wrestling, I would I would uh, thoroughly encourage you to go and watch that. But anyway, I have Absolutely. nothing that I can recommend to other people to watch. So James, tell me, what have you finished? I I didn't expect to finish this show because I didn't expect to watch this show. I watched Carnival Row. Hey, I have got no idea what to make of it. <laughs> okay, can you give can you give the listeners a, a breakdown of what it is first? Right, Carnival Row is. Again, we're struggling here. People are calling it steampunk, but that's a lie. It's a like Victorian-esque uh, alternate universe story where there's like fae and mankind combined into it's one an Amazon Prime show, yeah? mess. Yeah, Amazon Prime. And Orlando Bloom. Orlando, sorry, Orlando Bloom, not Orlando Broom. Yeah, Orlando, Orlando Bloom, Bloom constipates his way through through it. Um <laughs> He, he he was he was better than that. I am being mean. He's got a he's got a look that he does quite a lot that doesn't work. But aside from that, he was pretty good. My my th- thought here. Sorry, sorry, just to interrupt. Carnival Road to me. I've not watched the show. I know off the show. I've seen the trailers. I think we may yeah. have talked about it. Yeah. My impression was that it was trying to be Peaky Blinders mixed with The Witcher slash yeah. Game of Thrones. That yeah. was my yeah. impression. Yeah. Yeah. But Irish accents mostly, okay. Um, which which were better than the stuff in the film trailer we just watched. To be okay, fair. so so did, well. First of all, let me ask then. I'll break this down for you. Did you like the show? I enjoyed the show. Right. I'm not sure if I can recommend it, um, <laughs> <laughs> because I had zero expectations. And if I have, if I'm expecting nothing, and I get like a solid five, I'll enjoy it loads. Fair enough. Um, I feel I feel like it was just bigger than it should have been. So. 
there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of you world building. They're introducing an entire new planet. Oh yeah, with with huge political landscapes and war and and <laughs> and like not just like human races, but a bunch of extra races for there to be racism towards and and all sorts of things and. It's so huge that it doesn't actually end up going anywhere. We kind of we kind of don't explore the world because it's too big. Is is it trying um, to tell like some sort of complicated human message that we all meant to like take home once the show's ended? Oh, I think it's telling us not to be racist. Um, it does a pretty good job of that. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, it's not subtle. And it, but it's also not very well done. Uh, it, it's, it's a very confusing thing where I think they they were onto a lot of good aspects, but they rushed production or something, or they rushed script writing. So the set pieces are amazing, but the CGI is a bit weak. Is it a violent show? It's very violent. They cover up a lot of their flaws with gore and, okay. and fades to black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say the ending is really not earned at all. One of the, the crux of the show for the main character. Orlando Bloom is a murder mystery. He's solving a case. Okay. And this, this, they saw he's just he, he just gets handed the, the he just gets handed the solution at the end. It's just like oh here by the way I, I figured it out for you. <laughs> so it's just not earned, and it leaves a bunch oh, of questions. Man. And I don't know how they how they how the ending actually fits nicely into the story. They just okay big drama happens, and then uh, it kind of goes away. The drama kind of goes away. Maybe it's season two. I don't know. Um, the acting is good and bad. The bad acting is usually the the good kind of bad that's enjoyable to watch. Okay. Um, as I said, there there's there's more plot than they knew what to do with. They they deal with some political plot pretty well. The main murder mystery plot is actually pretty interesting, and I'm a, I'm a bit of a sucker for that stuff. So, I that was fine for me. Um, Kara's character, she's a fae. She's got some weird name as well. They've all got very strange names. Okay. Um, I can't, even, I can't even remember their names. That's how weird they are. I, can't, I don't have anybody's name. Surnames like Breakspear and stuff like that. Very high fantasy. Really? Yeah, Breakspear is a human character. Breakspear. Breakspear is a human character. Um, it's very high fantasy names, so it kind of confuses things. <laughs> is there a, a monarch called Queen Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> um, can I say there's like a love there's a love plot for her and she's exploring a new world plot there's the mis- murder mystery plot there's a political plot there's the intrigue plot there's a there's a there's there's a strange and this is the unnecessary plot as far as I'm concerned there's a very unnecessary Goatman moves into pop, posh village or okay. posh residence side plot and tries to fit into the world there, but it's told from the perspective of one of the posh families. And I was like, wow, how are they going to tie this into the main story? Because most of the other stories kind of tie into the main one eventually. They just didn't bother. <laughs> there was this massive, massive part of the show that didn't even relate to the rest of the show. I don't know. So I, I don't I don't really recommend it unless the genre is something you like. Okay, fair enough. In which case, you're probably going to like it. Right, time is totally up, but let's uh, just briefly talk about the fact that Scotland, on Thursday, hey! qualified for Euro 2020, which is actually happening in 2021. So it will be yes. 23 years have passed uh, b- before Scotland will play in a major tournament yeah. again. The last one was... Yeah. 
World Cup 1998 in France, of which I have the vaguest of memories of uh, having my face painted and eating sausages and beans, watching Scotland draw with Norway. I remember I got a full face paint and then I didn't like it and I cried the whole way home. (laughs) I remember remember some of the tournament because we watched it in class and stuff like that. Nice. um, In school because we had a cool teacher, blah, blah, blah. It's super cool that Scotland's making it back on after like an, my an almost entire yep. recalled lifetime of underperforming and failure and misery. I, I, it's been long enough that I d- don't care, though. I'd been worn down. <laughs> I think all of us were. And to be fair, when um, just to give you a brief rundown, Scotland were playing Serbia in Belgrade. They had to win, obviously. They started very well yep, and yeah. uh, opened the scoring. It was all going swimmingly, 1-0 up. And then with, I think it was the 89th minute, maybe uh, 30 seconds of regular time to go, Serbia equalised. And of course, it just became, ah, there we go, same old Scotland. Scotland doing their thing. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. It went to penalties and incredibly, the 10th 10th penalty from Serbia... Sorry, they took five each. And then the fifth one that Serbia took, which was also the tenth one of the match, uh, was missed by their star striker, David Marshall, pulled off a stunning save. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uh, Scotland went wild. There we go. We're, we're playing uh, Czech Republic at Hamden. We're playing England at Wembley. And then we're playing uh, Croatia at Hamden again. Yeah, that's another next loss. June. No, like genuinely, yeah. genuinely, because we beat the Czech Republic last month, I would say confidently that that is a winnable game. And if we can go to Wembley on the back of a victory, there's every chance that... England are not doing so great right now. Yeah, there's every chance that we could take something away from that. And let's... Well, even if we we did lose, (laughs) we've got all to play for against Croatia, who let's just forget that they did very, very well in the last World Cup. We can win win against them too. (laughs) But it's, it's it's the thought that counts. It's the fact that we are actually... There, we, yeah. James, you and I, we are there. We made it to Euro yeah, 2020. A, a nation who has lost against tiny little islands. <laughs> I mean, we are tiny as well, to be fair, but not, not as, as tiny, tiny as Croatia. They're doing we've great. Finally beaten, we've finally beaten enough of our relative peers <laughs> in a row to enter an actual tournament. This is true. The biggest win streak in the team's history since like World War Two or something. I believe so. Or not win streak. The biggest not losing streak since like World War Two or something. Unbeaten streak. Not losing streak. Um, <laughs> revolutionary stuff. But it's all because we didn't have to play against any teams that were out of our league for a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I think system. that was the the new system. This new system, which uh, yeah. does help. Teams like Scotland uh, get to these tournaments. You're the top of the bad teams. Essentially, we're we're like the best of the mediocre. Yeah. But honestly, I don't care because that will be a really fun time um, for for everybody because it will be something that I imagine everybody's going to get behind. You know, it's not just like we're another England or Spain who qualify for these tournaments every single year. 23 years have passed and the vast majority of kind of young Scotland fans, it will be their first time seeing Scotland in a tournament. You know what? Tory is going to Tory so hard that there will be people in Scotland that refuse to support Scottish national teams now. Oh, I'm sure. You just wait. You, you keep an eye on that Twitter for those Scottish people with a Union Jack and in their in their name and whatnot and all that and the 
the, the usual signs. Some of them will be refusing to support the Scottish team because we don't we don't like Boris enough. We're not being <laughs> nice enough to Boris. Uh, James, I believe that is all we've got time for. I, I see you've added a, 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 an addendum to the podcast that Armenia, Azerbaijan and Russia have signed a peace deal. Which Yeah, they did. Which is great, which is good. Also good news. It's been a week of good news. It's good, except the Armenian leadership was pretending they were winning the whole time. So when they signed a peace treaty that's basically accepting that they were losing, their whole parliament has been stormed and their leader has been punched a lot by the crowd. <laughs> Well, that's not so that's good news not for so him. Good. No, no. And then also the news that the UK government has failed to publish details about more than four billion worth of COVID contracts to their pals in their private sector, which is also not good news. Wow. I mean, again, not not surprising. Imagine the Tories giving money to their friends and then not telling us about it. Another news grass is green. Yes. And I'm still gay. <laughs> As you can find out more about on Janet's podcast. As you absolutely, so you can. Okay, James, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And thank you to your listener for listening. It has been another blockbuster episode. Thank you for sticking with us. Yeah, if you plan to quit dramatically, please tweet at us. <laughs> please do. That gave me a good laugh. Thank you, Jason. You're you're uh, you've made my week. I do. As, I feel have, as has Ryan Christie. <laughs> okay, bye, James. All right, bye. bye.